Tommy Walsh sat down with choreographers Wayne Salento, Graziella Danielle, Ted Pappas, and Janet Watson for a choreographer's symposium in October of 1986. Hello, I'm SDC Director Choreographer Edie Cowan, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the SDCF and the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Because this program was not initially recorded for the purpose of broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. Portions of the conversation may have been edited to improve the overall quality of the broadcast. Hi, good afternoon, y'all. My name is Marshall Mason. I'm welcoming you here to uh, an afternoon about choreography in the musical theater today with uh, four very special people. Uh, to my right, Ted Pappas, who's responsible for Herringbone, and most recently, Diamonds. And uh, my girlfriend here, who got me into this union in 1979 because she had another job, I guess. And she um, recommended me to do the 1940s radio hour. And I can't thank you enough for that, but I'm not going to get mushy. This woman has done like about 10 Broadway shows, has been nominated for three Tony Awards, and she's just my favorite of all face. I'm Miss Camille. Gabriella. <laughs> Gabriella. Gabriella. <laughs> We worked with um, Ann Miller, and she kept calling Grazi uh, Gabriella, and we, no one told her that that was her name. It was kind of mean. And this creature here, I did my first Broadway show. We both danced in, in the chorus together, and he has choreographed shows like Baby and uh, Jerry's Girls, and has also been nominated for a Tony Award, and he is a very, very special friend, also with Salento. And uh, Janet Watson, who choreographed Pacific Overtures, where we all heard about her, or I did, for the first time. And um, a very fun and charming show, Big River, Janet Watson. Hi, y'all. Okay, now that I've gotten through that part, didn't even have to look at four cards. Um, I guess first we'll talk about how we started dancing and who influenced our dancing and what kind of technique was the basis of our, of our dancing first. How about girls first? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How about girls first? Um, I grew up in a household. And at the time, um, my basic training, and generally anybody who's interested in dance is Bella. And in Oklahoma, uh, the main claim to fame is being from the Oklahoma dance area. It's Maria Tolchi. Indian ballerinas and George Balanchine. And that was my ideal, was to be a Balanchine dancer, though I'm not five today, a hundred pounds. I tried. <laughs> and it, it never it, it never worked. Um, but my background was strongly in the ballet world. I later on went into the modern world, dancing the first time in the concert dance world, and then eventually got to the theater world. So I'd come kind of on back backward as opposed to starting out in the musical world as a chorus dancer, musical theater. Um, but I think for me, having a ballet background was the best. Uh, it gave me, because um, of discipline, it gave me a sense of awareness of, of my body and carriages and so on. And also it was universal language that you could then use or throw away. But that's kind of the beginnings. That was very good. <laughs> um, 
Ted, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, well, I was uh, raised in Indiana, and there wasn't um, a lot of dancing going on. And I started very late, actually. Um, I was always interested in musicals, uh, primarily from seeing old movies, because I hadn't seen any stage shows until I was about 16. So uh, it was basically you know, falling in love with uh, choreography and big musicals from the movies and sort of um, uh, picking up as much information, copying that as long as I could until I went to college. And I went to Northwestern University, which had a very strong theater department. And I got involved in um, directing there. And there was a very good teacher in the city uh, of Evanston, uh, Gus Giordano, who was a very strong um, jazz teacher. Um, sort of, I would say, a, a, a protege of Jack Coles in that sort of style. And I got on a scholarship with him while I was still in college and worked in, with him for about four years. And I got that sort of uh, classic 50s jazz sort of uh, attack on dance and, and throwing in a few ballet lessons here and there just to sort of understand all the French that was being thrown in. It was basically from, from jazz and from Giordano. And then when uh, I moved to New York, I started taking classes from um, various people like Ron Farella and, uh, and Phil Black. And I had an injury the first year I was in New York. So there was never any um, real uh, attempt to become a, a performer, become a dancer. So I was really using all the information I got from the classes towards um, creating dances and creating choreography. But uh, the the bulk of the training was in, um, in jazz. Uh, later, as, as, as I was living in New York, I would attend the ballet, and then I would be the oldest guy in all of my ballet classes for about four or five years, where I mean, there were really 14-year-old people in me. And I was developing a technique after the fact, and I became strong in it after the fact. I was, I was strong and, and, uh, and educated in dance, but not in that specific technique. And, that's been the strongest influence in my work in the last two or three years with ballet, but coming much later than it usually does. Wait. Okay. I would have to say, um, socially, I started with the American Bandstand. I think I was into that before I even had any idea about being a dancer or a choreographer. Um, I started really late. I started when I was 18 dancing because of the fact that I didn't want to be called a faggot or anything else that they call you. Um, I did some high school musicals in, in school. I didn't know a thing about dancing. They just threw me into all the leading dancing roles because I was athletic, I guess, and I never did a sport in my life. I was born in the Bronx, so uh, if, I, if we had any gym classes, it was like once every two months. So... <laughs> so uh, after doing the musicals in high school, there was this gym teacher who latched onto me and said, I'm going to take you to Broadway and check out a show. Maybe you'd be interested in doing this as a career. And she took me to see Cabaret. And I said, those people are making money doing that? And she said, yeah, I said, fine. And I went to college because I didn't want to be drafted. And I went to Westchester Community College as trying to be a pharmacist. And all the time taking modern dance, jazz, and tap classes in Connecticut with this is that teacher, Mickey Derisham. And uh, so I did that for two years, and then I decided that that wasn't it, and I transferred to Brockport University as a dance visit major. And uh, I got really serious into it. I would say that my strongest training was modern training. It was a real modern, strong modern dance training with Humph Humphrey and uh, Cunningham and Taylor and uh, a little bit of Bram 
technique. And Bill Glassman was the um, ballet teacher there at the time. So he was short and physically like me, so I got into a little bit of ballet, although I rejected it all. I, I wanted to wear shorts. I never would wear tights and, for one week, and then I had every outfit you can think of. <laughs> and um, so I, I really studied for three years in college, really intensely. I mean, it changed my whole body structure. Everything just completely changed. And then I uh, started studying on, on holidays in the city, all kinds of jazz classes. Um, I really wanted to be a jazz dancer. I didn't want to be a ballet dancer or a modern dancer. And I studied from everyone you can possibly think of. And just got sucked in everyone's techniques and, and different styles and stuff. And here you are. And, and here, here, here you are. Wearing good. still all the outfits. Still wearing outfits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would I guess the dance was an accident to me, like most of my life was. I, <laughs> I was about six, I guess, and so my mother told me, and I had a, some kind of a muscular atrophy in the arch of my feet. So my mother took me to the doctor to get her the baby shoes, and the doctor said, no, just take your ballet. Ballet is the first thing, and that's how it started. And uh, I went in, and I do remember the, the extraordinary thing is that I remembered that first day, and what really got me was the huge space of the studio. I was six years old, but I remember as if it was today. I got into the studio, and I thought it was the most beautiful room I had ever seen in my life. What did, little did I know that what I was really seeing was through the mirror, a double image. Yeah. And I thought it was so huge, and I just felt like running through it. And then I arrived to a wall, and I went, whoa, and there was what the bar, right? And from then on, I was hooked. And basically, it was ballet. I was trained at the Theater Colon of Buenos Aires, which is like, the, or was in that time, like the ball shop. You get in at 7, and they throw you out at 14, and you're a ballerina. And, uh, and I was a ballerina. I went to Europe, and I worked with ballet companies. So there with uh, Jean Babillet, Avon La Petit. I did, you know, all the, all the repertory. And I was living in Paris being a ballerina when I saw West Side Story. And that changed my entire life. And just that's when I came to Broadway. I came to New York, and I started with Matt Maddox, who was the disciple of Jack Cole. I imagine that was, you know, I came to beginner's class because I didn't know anything. I was just walking like this with that one. And that's a, and Matt was choreographing a show like a month into <coughs> my coming into New York, and there was a part there for me, for a South American. I barely spoke English. I still don't, but it was real <laughs> bad there. <laughs> real bad there. And I got, I got on Broadway, and that was it. That was it. It was another accident, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so you kind of made your route into a choreography, into choreography through performing then. You, you danced yeah. a lot of Broadway shows. Yes, I, I did a lot of Broadway shows, and mostly what I was most exciting to me, it was somehow I always, I always felt like I got to a point in my life where it wasn't enough what I was being, it was demanded of me. You know, like, it, ballet was just not enough. I was too good for ballet. Then I had to learn jazz, of course. I had to come here. Then I, I started working as a dancer. There was, it wasn't enough. Broadway only required 10% of my technique and my ability, so I started assisting. And that's when it really, I assisted Michael Bennett for about four years, and that's when I really got hooked. Yeah, it was like every time was like a challenge. I needed a challenge because I wasn't learning enough anymore, you know, or so I thought. And that's how I got into it. That's basically you know. what happened to me. I, <clears throat> I did a series of Broadway shows, and I was a, a, a class maniac. I was, you remember it. Yeah. I just, I was never satisfied dancing in a show. It was always such a limited amount of choreography to do. 
I, oh, I got my rocks off taking dance classes, and I just studied from every jazz person that I could possibly study from because it just wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know how I fell into the choreography. First, it was teaching for Peter Gennaro, and then making up combinations in class that got me the interest in oh, putting steps together and, and getting a, a, an idea of what it was, and then assisting people like Alan and you. Mm-hmm. And you just it just keeps rolling. You just accidentally get thrown into another situation. And you just keep yeah. I always say it's like I feel that in my life when I think back because I'm old. I feel like every time. It's like somebody just knocks at the door, and I open the door, and somebody says, you want to come and play outside? And I go, okay, and then goes another career, you know. I just thought another thing that way. But it's true. It's just That's what I call the, you know, for teachers, accidents sometimes. Fran, how did you meet, like, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Janet, how did you meet Fran, who uh, directed, yeah, and, um, and how did you start getting into the New York scene? New York scene. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> After I danced with Tony Cunningham, I taught at the University of Oregon and in Texas and eventually worked my way east to dating a little more um, assurance, I guess. I went to a theater called Actors Theater for Oregon and spent three seasons there choreographing for John Joy, who was the producer. And also teaching at the University of Oregon and always in the modern And I came to New York thinking that I would perform again. And I started doing, but it's still in the modern. Going back, I went back and started working with Marcia. I uh, got needed some money. I didn't have that much money, and I got a job assisting um, on some workshop, kind of workshop production, and um, assistant directing and doing some staging, and that led from one thing to another. And one of these early projects I did was a, York, a theater called the York Theater Company, which is on 90th uh, in a church, and that's where I met Fran. Mm-hmm. We did a project <coughs> based on the life of Colette. And um, he um, basically was looking for somebody and, you know, and, and interviewed several people and uh, asked me if I would do it. And then I did another project with him there, which was a revival of Pacific Overtures, and which we then took to the promenade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I've since done several things with Fran, various places, uh, here in the city and on the road. Um, but that was, was, you know, again, it was basically through a workshop production and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Was it something and, you saw in the paper or was it something that a friend led you to? Or um, It was something that a friend led me to mm-hmm. uh, and said you should contact the, the producer of the theater, you're new to the city, it would be a good place to meet people, that kind of thing. I had an interview with her and she was basically the one that when they were looking for a choreographer said, you know, why don't you all get together or, you know, or interview her and see, see what it's like from, from Fran's standpoint. And, and then things began to snowball. And it was just taking one step at a time and hoping you know, for the best. Um, and you know why? Why things click? Why you click with one person and not another? Or why you know one person gets a job and another person doesn't? Who knows? You know. I mean, it's really hard to say. <laughs> but uh, and and also you know sometimes in one part of your life something would work and another part of your life maybe it wouldn't. I mean, we all change and grow and mature and uh, and our priorities change. So uh, it, I was, it was lucky, you know, at, for me at that time. Do you have some, like, similar things? Well, like this you know, I guess everyone's are a little similar. Actually, the two people who gave me my first jobs in New York as a choreographer here, coincidentally, and, and Jerry Gutierrez hired me um, many years ago, uh, basically on an instinct to choreograph a production for the acting company, John Houseman's company. 
and uh, it required um, a, a big tap finale for the acting company, which was, you know, a difficult challenge at, at the time uh, for me and for them. And everything worked out really well, and we had a, a big success. And and then Dorothy McVeigh saw or heard about the show, and um, she was at Playwrights Horizons at the time, and they needed someone to come in and take over um, the revival of Company that Playwrights Horizons did many seasons ago. And so she interviewed me, hired me pretty much on the spot, and I was in rehearsal that afternoon. And the show opened 10 days later, and it was very successful. And so from those two sort of incidences, I've had a, a home at Playwrights Horizons. I've done about nine productions for them over the last several years. So it's really been, in New York at least, my home base. Um, I brought uh, Herringbone to them because I had done it in Chicago. And um, they had lost a musical, and they needed a show to go in very quickly in the theater. And um, I had just had um, uh, a good experience doing it with uh, David Rounds was starring in it uh, in Chicago, and it was a one-character sort of extravaganza and uh, we brought it into New York, and ever since then, I've sort of been at home at Playwrights Horizons, and it's been a, a place for me to um, to direct and choreograph and do readings and do workshops, and um, uh, it all was very accidental, completely accidental. It's just this two people basically took a chance. Um, I had not assisted any choreographers. I was um, I had done a little bit of tinkering as a favor on other people's shows here and there. Um, the word got out. Um, someone thought I had given a good interview and had some good ideas for a number, and then all of a sudden I was working. It was, it was quite um, uh, uh, dependent on people taking a chance. And, um, and when times were rough, when a show of mine would not be as exciting or successful or well-reviewed as another, uh, pretty much the same people would come back and say, so here's another one. You know, And, and the career keeps growing and... Uh, Developing based on um, a track record and the trust of the people that that believe in you. Well, who influenced your work, or who is influencing your work now? That's yeah, that's real different uh, because it's, it started off. So, um, like I said, my main influence in the very beginning was really what I saw in film. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was Jack Cole's movies. It was a, no, it was it was a, a, a more athletic thing. It was more like Gene Kelly, and I would really uh, it, I would really watch the movies and imitate them. And I had a very good memory for steps, and I could pick up very very quickly. And so it was it was that kind of thing. And then when I came to New York, I really started attending uh, concerts and the ballet, and I would be pretty fanatic about city ballet, and I still am. I I go religiously the ballet and my technique that I've tried to develop over the years is um, I mean I hesitate to even mention it but it's based sort of what on that on a, on a very clean um, line clarity like in, in the balancing works or in it. so it's basically the ballet is influencing me now more than um, um, shows do you think that's what's influenced your work on a whole Oh, everybody influenced me. Everybody has so many teachers, and I work with so many choreographers. I, I'm sure that I stole from everybody. You know, <laughs> yeah, I still am. But it's just it, it. You can't. You just can't avoid it because you have. I mean, I had to be derivative at the beginning, and mostly having been a dancer for 30 years or so, working with so many diverse choreographers. I'm talking from Leonid Massine, Miasi, whatever. I mean, I worked with him when I was 14 years old. How can you not be influenced by somebody like that, you know? I mean, 
and uh, and Roland, of course, influenced me a lot. You know, Petit. And I, I being a dancer, and and then of course I came here, and I worked with with Matt, and I worked with uh, Michael and Fossey and all these people. Being a dancer, I think that I had to interpret their styles, and something wraps on a view. Of course, you have to. So when I started doing it myself, I think I. I was just a mess. I still am. I don't know who I am. I don't have a style of my own at all. I mean, I just but it, do. <laughs> but it changes for a lot of the shows you do, too. I mean, that's one of the yeah, things that you think so strong. You, you must be very specific. Uh, 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 it'd be great to be able to go around imposing your own personal style on every piece that you're given, but every show has its different period, the different types of dancers, different score. Well, how come, excuse me, That's I agree with you, but um, years ago, um, DeMille did create a style. And so did Mr. Balanchine, and so did uh, Jack Cole, and they had the opportunity somehow. And do you think now we are just serving um, the pieces now that we're offered or that we work on, or um, why don't we get a chance as current choreographers really to develop an individual because, style like those guys and gals? Because I think people like Jack Cole had a dance company That's right. that he that he dealt with in a show. He did a movie, but he brought his company that he trained, and he incorporated his style within the movie. Yeah. And there's no dance he companies his, anymore. He put his really. dancers in Kismet, and they wrote dance music for his dancers right. as well. And there's another thing that, I mean, if we're going to go into that, I think that the other thing is that the choreographies of that time involved dance uh, as a way to continue telling the story, to developing the plot, to to express a mood in the story. Like, and the last thing that I saw like that was, was Sad Story with Robbins. Where an extent, you, you, you just don't stop to entertain or do a fabulous number. I'm not, I'm not against doing a fabulous number, but right now, what we are demanded to do, the, you know, the late period of musicals, is much more to serve uh, the book at least in my case, and to deliver once in a while an entertaining number. In the case of West Side Story, the development of the piece was so much done by Mr. Roberts that uh, you opened, and it was no scene, it was no song, it was a bunch of guys moving through the space telling you where you were, how they felt uh, themselves and how they felt against each other, uh, when uh, you know when uh, when the two uh, uh, principals met in the gym, they didn't say "I love you" or like your eyes. They just look at each other, sidestep, and went like that. And you knew that they were in love. In the end, there was no big song. There was no kick line. It was just people holding hands on one left stage. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. We don't get, at least I don't get, of the scripts that I get, I never get a piece where to develop that. No, we're never asked. Yeah, we're never asked. I mean, you know, probably our greatest composer, lyricist, um, is writing great, great shows, Stephen Sondheim, and, and yet most of them, are, at least the most recent ones, are not asking for any dancing at all. Oh, yeah, operas. I mean, they're going, they're going, they're going. Sunday in the Park, I mean, it's great theater and it's great musical Wonderful. theater, but uh, it puts the choreographer in a, in a sort of in a situation where you sort of dot eyes. Window dressing. Yes, and, and you yes. make sure that everybody's sitting in the right way and, and that in, in a specific moment, maybe it just sort of gushes forth. But DeMille, who was a, who was a great <clears throat> genius, was also given scores by Richard Rogers that had 22 minutes of <laughs> psychology and dance required, right. um, and 
But was that, was that wasn't DeMille, that was the person who was that giving was, the music. Right. Yes, and then later, I think, because they thought, well, we can get DeMille, let's write a let's ballad do for thing. her. Yeah. Right. You know, it's sort of almost like a star turn. She was right. a star, and, and if you get a star in your show, you're going, if she's a great dancer, you'll give her a great number. It's the same sort of thing with DeMille, but it started off, I think, um, she was a wonderful ballet choreographer, there was an appropriate vehicle for her, but there was the Dream Ballet in Oklahoma, and then that led to the Dream Ballet in Carousel. She was um, asked to choreograph great That also came out of Rodeo. Of course, Rodeo. that's yeah, how she, she got Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 But don't you think a lot of that has to do in this day and age with economics, number one? We can't hire a dance or... or a lot of dancers. A lot of dancers. Oh, yeah, it, it, that's a big part yeah, of it. That's one thing. Yeah. It's the way things are written. I think that that's the most important thing. I think that's the most important thing. Oh, yeah, they say, you know, well, yeah, you say, what about the dancers? Well, five, you know, can you use five dancers? And basically, they're dancers who sing and act. Sure. You can't get just a dancer, which is fine. I mean, I'm not putting that down, but... No, but I think that, I mean, the most important thing, I think, is is the development, the change in in the musical theater today from those times... To today's demands in the theater. I totally agree with, with, with Ted that we are going, I see more and more going in the musical theater with opera. I love it. I'm, I mean, I'm not against it. It's wonderful. But it's less and less choreography is used. And when it is used now, it's almost like a designer job. It's almost yes. like, yeah. you know, putting a it's set or, a or the, it's a designer as opposed to a creative form as it used to be. Well, yeah. it was. It, What's happening now is a lot of times I, I see or have been involved in projects where there are a whole series of production meetings, and you even get to the auditions, and then they are looking for a choreographer. They've gotten way past production meetings and way past planning sessions, and the set's been designed, Secondary. and then we're bringing the choreographer and the sound designer, and it's like, well, no, uh, you know, that's, not, that's why we're having a lot of shows that don't really gel, uh, and that you put so many seams in, in the productions. Because uh, recently the choreographer has taken the back seat. I don't, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I mean, I, I think it, uh, there's room for both. It's not unsophisticated to have a I lot think of the problem is, is the fact that the books are not calling for a department where the choreographer goes off and does his fantasy dance section or an extension of what the piece is. And the director is in charge of directing the whole piece. So the choreographer, like Agnes Camille, will do it mm-hmm. her piece. And the director will mold the whole thing together. Now we're, we're hired as choreographers to hold the director's hand and move the people along as directors, so to speak. Right. And we're staging and moving people, but we're not choreographing. And they're right. almost completely non-dancers. You know, in so many of the shows, you get people who are terrific and they move well, but, but when in doubt, go with a person who has more experience with book scenes or has a better voice. And so you have a situation where you're really not getting a chance to create with choreography. You're, you are doing window dressing. I want to know how many versions of Step Touch have you got? <laughs> 600. <laughs> Can I borrow some? I don't have I borrowed some from you. I've got yours. <laughs> so would you rather be in the situation of, of working with a director or do you prefer um, working um, by yourself? Well, um, if, if I might speak on this, I... I think it depends on the director. The last, uh, the last show I choreographed for another director was Diamonds. And I was lucky enough to work with Harold Prince and super director. I mean, it was exciting and challenging and uh, a whole flood of technique and history coming at me. Um, 
But those situations are rare, you know, where you have a real leader and a real experienced person. I like directing my own shows now, and I find that the choreography that I deliver in my own productions is better. Mm -hmm. um, there are a few directors that I love to work with, Jerry, for instance, uh, who understand me and take the time to discuss the entire project so that I'm in at the beginning and so my work really makes sense and fits in and you don't know who choreographed and who directed and who designed it and who made the hats, you know, if it's all one piece. But I find uh, in my recent experience that my favorite choreography that I've done are things that I've directed because um, I take care of my choreographer then. Mm -hmm. I give him all the information he needs. <laughs> I invite him to all the meetings. <laughs> And I let him hire a really good dancers. <laughs> Janet, what about you? Um, I, as yet, I prefer to work with a director mm -hmm. at this stage of, of my development. Um, probably, I don't know if that quite all relates to I think some of it is insecurity. Um, that's part of it. But also part of it is I really like the collaborative process. And I like having people to bounce ideas off of to work with. Two heads. Two heads, uh -huh. right. And, and I find that that is stimulating for me. Um, and um, sometimes you're in a situation which we've discussed where you have to mold and to fit into what, what is being done. Um, but I don't, um, don't find that necessarily uncomfortable. I mean, I think that there are many ways you can take that information and, and do something with it. You know? So um, I, at the moment, I really prefer with it. With Des Makinoff, like... Uh, Fun collaborator. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you right. stay there and you stay here and we meet in the middle, or um, were um, you always lunching and dining and taking care of one another? And Basically, that, yeah, the latter. I must on that project, though, um, I, it had the Big River been done twice before. Before you joined before, it? And it had two different choreographers before uh -huh. I joined Each place it went, Des worked with somebody else. And um, so by the time it got to me, in most well, in not all the areas, but in most areas, Des knew really what he wanted. It had been home, it had been workshopped, it had, they had, you know, they had had all their production meetings, they, you know, knew what was going to happen. So, so that was a little different. It, I mean, it, it was a strange, it was a strange case in that um, Des would say, "This is this is what we want, and the focus needs to go here." I often said, "Well, I disagree. I think the focus needs to go there," and Des would say, "Okay, let's see what happens." Uh -huh. You know, there was there was that kind of thing, but but the limit. The structure had already been built, mm -hmm. and before I, I got to it. And um, but I found him very flexible within that, within that structure. Des is, you know, crazy, and he's, he's very fun. I, mean, I say that with affection. Um, but he, he also was very, um, very open. If if you, um, you know, have, have something, if you if you argue with him, or if you can can uh, explain what you want. If he doesn't see it, he may question, but he'll say, well, go for it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's a disaster. Does it make you crazy, though, any of you? Does it make you crazy when the director says, now I'm going to do the ballad or something? He's backing the actors up against the wall, and you can't see them, and you really have no control of it, being the choreographer. Well, when, when they start to take over musical numbers and staging. They and never stuff, do like, with no, me. They wouldn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I mean, you know, say, wait a minute. I think you need to look at this. What are you doing here? You know, I think it, I don't think the choreographer should take a second seat there. Maybe that doesn't mean that you get up on stage and push people around or move people or say this, but that's meaningful. For instance, I would go into Des and say, 
hey, this you know, let's re-examine this. And he'd go, oh, okay. Yeah, but often things happen in the, during the course of the production. All of a sudden, you're sitting there and you're watching the director, um, you know, doing things that maybe are your oh, territory yeah. and. Yeah, I mean, certainly. The communication's bad. Yeah, well, you know. you've got to you've got to let the director take charge. I mean, it's it's uh, for the sake of the production. You can't suddenly stand up and say, you know, uh, oops, what are you doing? But you you are also responsible to whisper in their ear and say, you know, if if the case is this, you're not doing it as well as it can be done. Mm-hmm. See, uh, that's what I find real frustrating. I I I I would say. At this, well, not at this point, but before, I would say that the um, the lack of responsibility of taking over the whole show, the whole show, and being the director choreographer, I, I didn't want. I would just say, fine, let the director handle all the problems, and I'll just be the choreographer who flips around and fixes everything. Mm-hmm. You know. But the, frust- the the thing that's really frustrating to me now is the fact that working with directors that are so unclear about what the flow of the, of the show is and you being clear about the show oh, yeah, because you're making the move, you're making everything happen and making all the tra- transitions happen. This person has this vision and you have a vision and then it's like what Tommy said and then all of a sudden he feels like he needs to do a musical number because it's maybe a ballad that needs to be directed and doesn't have a clue. So you sit there my stomach turns in, in knots. I mean, I'm very opinionated. I'll go to the person and say, I disagree with what you're doing. Why is that person sitting there when she should be getting up at this point? You know, so that makes me feel like, okay, it's time. I'm ready to take the, on the responsibility because the flow of the whole show is is movement. It's a, it's a whole movement process. Well, also, the, the thing is... Uh, People uh, that have performed in as many shows as you guys have performed in have learned the technique of how to make a show work. Uh, it comes second nature, I think, to you. The rhythm of a show, when the big number is needed, how to light it, how to fix it, when the show is having problems, when it's too fat. You've gone through so many various uh, successful shows and, and shows that, that could have been successful that you've learned from that uh, you've got that experience in you. A lot of directors um, come to a musical with a great deal of experience and technique in a different type of performing, a different type of acting, a different type of, of, of momentum in a show. And, and it can be very frustrating when now they're going to act, you know, and it, uh, you're, you're rolling towards the big moment right. when the wall's supposed to break open and she's supposed to be there and everyone's <clears throat> supposed to flip out. And now we're all going to act, and, and, and a lot of times it's it's it's, it's just a matter of, of 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 a different type of technique. But I find that choreographers um, are people to um, ask when a show has problems <laughs> because they know how to move a show, what makes sense, when a scene is too long, when a number needs to be reprised, how many people should be on stage, how thick it should all be, how how lean it should all be. Choreographers are people that grew up with technique. First as performers and then as as, uh, as craftsmen. It's, it's not an accident. We're trained to do musicals. I believe that we are directors. Mm-hmm. I don't think that a choreographer can't be a true choreographer without knowing what direction is about. Concept, design, drama, timing, lighting. I mean, all those things, how can we not know that? Especially in shows that we've been working on. We yeah, especially have recently. To. Mm-hmm. So we therefore, I think that Therefore, 
they, I, I like collaboration too with certain people. Right. Therefore, you have to understand certain people. <laughs> but the collaboration then becomes a marriage between those two people. And I, you know, sometimes you cannot marry everybody. You have to look for that person like this for you, Wilfred with me, for me, that uh, they are, what Wilfred has is he has a great conceptual mind. And then he just says a couple of things and leaves me alone. And that's it. <laughs> that's all it takes, you know. But I do feel comfortable about the fact that he is there. Right. And when I have yeah. a doubt, that's right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? He right. said, yeah, maybe you should try some, some. That's what I'm talking about. So the same is true yeah. of the scenes. He's working on a scene. And, I, and he says, what do you think? Well, I don't think it's enough movement here. I think she should be crossing, counter-crossing. That's, to me, the collaboration. A colla- a true collaboration. collaboration. And that's what happens, uh, because then w- then you don't know where the director ends. And when the choreographer, it just melts, you know, and you're happy with each other. But it's very difficult with everybody. It is. So it really is. depends on, the, on the, who the collaborators Absolutely. are. And Absolutely. And and the chemistry and the personality and how you complement each other in human nature. You know, uh, uh, Wilfer is very passive and calm. And I'm yeah! So it's perfect balance for the actors, too, because they get both, you know, the, the intellectual approach to it and the, the emotional outburst. So, but it has to be managed. On the other hand, I agree with Ted, they are the captains. If I'm going to agree in being the choreographer with the director, whatever happens at the end... I have to swallow my poison sometimes. That's what I mean. That's the lack of responsibility. You don't want it. Who needs it? Uh, no. And in that case, yes, I would rather do it myself. On the other hand, there are, there are certain pieces where I do like collaboration with the director because mostly in the type of shows that I do, which are heavily booked shows, I like that kind of, you know, two yeah. minds working at the, on the same thing. But if it was a piece like, uh, like the one that I'm trying to develop right now, I don't want anybody. I mean, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to write it, direct it, and that's it. I mean, it's just, you know, it depends on the piece you're working in, you know, right. what, it, what it requires. Pieces like 42nd Street, I can't imagine two people doing it. It's about production numbers. The book is, is rather weak or thin, so right. you just want the same person doing the same thing, right. you know. But the book shows, I think, that they can withstand two months if they get along. What kind of rapport do you get going um, with the other um, collaborators in the show, like the composer and the lyricist and the lights and the sets and Tigers and Bears, oh my, when you were just choreographing? How do you start building a relationship with those guys and gals um, to you know, enhance and make your work um, look better? I Does pers- it all go through the director? It, it, no. no. Oh, no, 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 no. And I personally, at this point in my life, I will not take... Uh, a show unless it's from the very beginning. That's it. I, you know, it's been 10 years that I'm doing it. I don't want to do it anymore. Now it's a creative process. I want to sit with the director and the composer and the lyricist and the writer from the very beginning, before the last draft. Because I want to say something now. I just can't take it anymore. So therefore, my report to, the, to these people are very direct. And we just talk in, on, on a round table like right now. You know? But then again, that depends on the director. On the director that allows that from the choreographer, you know. But that same thing that goes with the costume. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's very important to have that kind of rapport. And also to, to go after it. You know, I mean, often I'm, depending upon what the projects are, you know, I think, but, um, I think 
I do so much pre-production, and I go to the dance library, and I read books, and I see, and then I, we go to pre-production, and I just choreograph steps and steps and steps and steps, and my assistant goes, and then we get to rehearsal first day, and I look, and I go, okay, let's take three people over there with this test, and my assistant's going, what's that? What's that? <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, no, no, I'm not going to use that. And what happens, what I need <clears throat> is to really sketch everything very clearly in my head so that I feel secure. You know, it must be that kind of security so that I'm not going to see these people looking at me and not knowing what to do. So that I have everything just totally sketched. I think that it's complete. And then when I get into the studio, I just throw everything out of the window. But what it, what it really is interesting, and I just let the imagination and the, and the creative juices just to go, and I pick up on the actors, the dancers, uh, what they are looking at, what, what the characters need and all that. But what that gives me, that research and pre-production gives me, is that basis, that basic knowledge that there's a good foundation there. It's like ballet for everything else. I mean, if you really, if you really know the technique of ballet, I think you can do almost anything. You know, it's the same thing. It's just that basic information that then I can fly. Once I know that, then I can forget everything and just fly and let things come in from, I don't know where they're coming from. Do you, do you ever know where it's coming from, the creative process? <laughs> do you ever know what you're going to do? No. It's amazing, isn't it? It's miraculous. It's it comes from all the choreographers who are still trying to. It's quite miraculous, isn't it? I sometimes get scared and I land up under the piano and ask my, my buyer, you know, where did that come from? Where did that come from? <laughs> and we meet under the piano. I know, it's just wonderful. How do you start making up dances? Um, well, see, I've been in strange situations. I did Baby, I did um, Jerry's Girls, which was really scary. Uh, okay, so I did the baby, I did the uh, just once, and I did Angry Housewives, which are all musicals with actors who dance. Have to make the actors dance. So, I mean, it was it was all the reality of what it is. If I didn't have that reality, if I thought I was going to walk into a situation and say, "Okay, I'm going to do my steps," I would be booed off the stage. So I knew that I knew it had to be like that. There's a certain point where it's possible. Yeah, and why? And I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not really into doing dance steps. I was never into that. Where in Jerry's Girls, um, I did like a month pre-production work. And here's Chi Rivera and have that responsibility of making her dance. So uh, it was going through music and sitting down. I was getting the music together first, figuring out what the, what the concept of numbers, where I want to go, and then getting up on the feet. And you told me that. Now I'm me that. I remember hours sitting hours like this. Okay, let's do... Well, are we going to dance? No, let's just sit here and talk. Let's talk. And then, like two weeks later, you get up on your feet and you start playing around with dance steps. I love it from my too. It's a lot of that, a lot of talking and talking. And so you're very clear of where you want to go. And then talking more. And working with, I should say, Jerry's working with a dancer, Cheetah, or Ring. Did you, in the process, did you then go to her? Um, after you worked with the dance arranger, you had ideas. Before the rehearsal process, would you go and, and discuss kind of what you were heading with her? She's not or, doing that. She's not doing that. No. Oh, you're asking my daddy to discuss. Show me the step that's right. Like, and, 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 and not to leave anything open. Uh-huh. To say, okay, Cheetah, what do you want to do here? Right. Uh-huh. She wants you to give her the steps and, uh-huh. and no responsibility. This is it. You want me to do that? Fine, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, a little idea of that. I want you to play a man in this thing and it'll be great. 
great, we'll do them. Fabulous. Okay, great, they had to do it. You know, and I'll see you in a week and come and then you give her every step. Mm-hmm. She's fine. I mean, she, she works as a dancer. So yeah, she doesn't work. work as an actress. I mean, yeah. she works, she puts the actress into the dancer. That yeah. her, the way she works with the choreographer is just like it, it, she's an instrument. That's right. Just like dancers are. Therefore, that you can fly yeah. with her yeah. because it's your stuff. You don't have to accommodate and limit yourself. Uh-huh. If it is bad, it's because you're bad. That's right. That's it. And she won't say it's bad. It'll just look so bad on her body, you'll have to say, oh, that really stinks, Jude, but I think it's so she shows yeah. it so strong. Yeah. And she yeah. goes. Yeah. And she goes. She goes. She goes. The same was true of Wenger. I mean, I, I remember once we were doing a, a military show, a, a fashion show, and uh, and I think it was Alan who was choreographing and was assisting, and Alan just gave her a step, and she, she she didn't look good in it, you know, it was Alan's kind of funky style, she didn't quite look good, and I went to the side and worked with her, and then I said, I'm going to change that piece. Because she couldn't get it.
I personally stop thinking about choreography, stop thinking about my craft or what I want to see. I go again, I go, this is a directorial uh, method. I just talk about the
exist, mostly here in America, people are doormats. And doormats. And mostly the last five or six years, the resurrection, and it's just extraordinary. So it is really up to us. We have to know how to do it. We have to write those people. Because the audiences are disappointed, though, now, when they do go Look at the successes in the commercial theater. 42nd Street, nothing but musical numbers, one after the other, nothing but dance, dance, dance. Chorus line, which is about dances of dance. Cats, which is constant dance for two hours. I mean, if you observe it, the, the, the hits that have lasted the longest and continue are the dancing. I'm not, with all my respect to you know, Sons of the Park. But that's not what lasts. That means that it doesn't have the audience required dance is something people can do. But we are just not writers to write it. So, so what are we doing? What are we teaching about? What are we doing? Except to look at the I look at the series of look what happened to Big Deal. Because they were screaming for more dance. That's right. I mean, it was the book that killed Big Deal. It wasn't it was the book. But yet, if you looked at the piece visually, it was visually exciting. Mm-hmm. And the whole piece was a dance. I don't think anyone saw that as that. There wasn't enough dance numbers. There was one major dance number, and everything else was little teases of vignettes. But the whole thing wove and danced in and out. But that wasn't enough. Absolutely. I guess. Because it's gone. We have charities here, which is full of dancing. And is again but I don't think charity is, was as good as Victor was. Yeah. 
of that is up to us to create those Absolutely. projects. No one's going to come up to us with an idea and say, I, you know, as I as a writer have come up with this wonderful ballet where no one speaks, you know, but we've got to come up with them because with a real strong idea for a show that, that utilizes dance, because no one's going to come to us with that idea. But that's exactly what Gaddis and Sarah did. I mean, they yeah. voted. They voted together. They just pulled the force and voted together. the success of us went to Argentina, too, which is
and yet not. And the critics, who are just heinous talking about all those old black boxes, whereas it was to me a groundbreaking piece. And my feeling about it was that people were paying, what was it, 47 something like that? If the tickets weren't $47 a piece, it would have found money because you didn't want to run. Does that enter what you're doing? You understand what I'm saying? Well, you're quite right. Does it influence us? Well, it influences you, the projects you choose to work on, the people you choose to work with. It sort of seems to be pervasive for all of us. Well, and how could you go uh, wrong with Bob Fosse and the Schubert's and no, all those? No, no, not that you wouldn't and work with. Still, a project like that does. Right. And it, I think. Well, we're, we're, we're all subject to, to financial restraints when we take on a project. I mean, it's always a, a supposed announced budget, and you know they have to pay you a certain amount of money to do it. But within that, the limitations come. I mean, you can't have so many sets because you know every set costs a great deal of money. Uh, can you use six instead of twelve dancers? Can you use eight instead of ten? I mean, we've got to, to um, deal with that responsibility as much as anyone. I think I think um, I find myself being aware of it. Um, I mean, I don't I don't recklessly suggest to producers. When I was doing diamonds, and that was a big review, and it was quite an expensive show. It was a lot of money put into it visually, um, but I could very well say to them, uh, "I changed my mind. Forget the sequin baseball outfits. They're all going to be dressed as angels." Okay, chuck that. Build a whole set of angel costumes. No, no, forget that. Uh, we're we're all in a lifeboat, you know, and we're all wearing sailor suits. You can't do that. You have to be. You are responsible. You cannot be recklessly artistic. Unaware of financial situation because uh, I don't think that's new. I think it's always been that way. But it's always in that But I think it's particularly yeah. tough right now because the economy dollars and cents. But in my sometimes it is. I find it interesting to be to have to cope with not having too much money. Let me give you an example. In root, what happens is that you have to become a little more clever or creative. I'll give you an example. In, in, in Drood, there was a moment of an open dancing. I asked for beds where people were, you know, pipes, and there was, you know, in the beds there were going to be these naked women crawling up. They said to me, forget it, we can't afford but one bed. I said, great, let's have everybody coming from the same bed. It's much better. It's much more clever. It's funny. It's more erotic. All the things, it's more surprising. It's all the things that I wanted. Uh, and it was forced by the fact that the budget didn't allow for beds, but like one bed. You see, so it, I don't think that you become minimalist just because. I mean, I mean, it makes you work sometimes, and I, I like it. I'd rather have I, the boundaries myself. Yeah, I mean, it's I like, like, okay, it. this is it. I mean, you know, you go there and you say, well, can I have just a little bit more? But at least you know that it's this, and that's what you have to go for. Mm -hmm. But your question was they had to do with something else. You, you mentioned tickets prices, and maybe can I? I just saw Le Miserable two weeks ago for seven pounds, which is fourteen dollars. I mean that is, and that Mir Miserable. I mean, I'm not criticizing the show or not. I'm saying that's the biggest hit in London, and you can buy a ticket for seven pounds. It's up there, but you can buy. And you can see that's why West End is like this. It's like it's like New York used to be 20 years ago when I first came here. I mean, 
everything. It's just extraordinary, so exciting. Not that the shows are better or worse, but they, they're just theatrical. I can remember when I was a student. Absolutely. I mean, it would cost $45 too much. It's ridiculous. And yet you can't do it for less because you have to, to, you know, pay to pay for the rent. You have the unions, you have the cast, you have the insurances that take a hell of a lot, rights, lawyers that take a lot. So when it comes down, a show that is probably budgeted at $2 million like ours, it could, it should recoup immediately, but the nut is so high that we haven't recouped it. I mean, can you believe it? So it takes you, sometimes for a $5 million show, it takes you four or five years to recoup with Who wants to invest in the theater? Is this is it, outrageous? But why do we have to do, I don't think it has to be $5 million shows. Sure. You know? It's, I, maybe I'm being too Pollyanna. It just seems that, that that's out of whack. So it's got $5 million on a show? I mean, Rags was $5 million. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. It was close. It was close. Close. I mean, it was something wrong in the basic premise. Absolutely. Well, what happened, Andrew was the same thing, I guess, at Big River, I guess. When you do it often, you know, like we did, it was the same thing with Paris and Penzance. We did it in the park, and that I call summer camp. Over there we go, and we saw our costumes, and you know, Julia and Mike doing a show in the park. Now, what happens is that there is where. There's where the interesting things happen, like the beds. I wanted four beds. I couldn't get that one bed. Well, the idea was good. So, Jen, you saved a lot of money in one bed. So, you, when you when you move it to Broadway, you don't need, you don't put the four beds. You still use the same bed. So, we spent about six hundred thousand in, in the in the five or six hundred thousand in the, the park. And then when we moved it to New York to Broadway, then at that point it was like one one million or four or something like that. We had done it. We had done registrations, we had, you know, so it was like adding things. So, of course, the show was not that expensive. But when you go with a major show, like they deal directly to Broadway, or, and most of them out of town, which is so expensive to go on. I mean, we used to, I went with every single show out of town. Are you kidding? I did the shows because of going out of town. That way you get all the affairs Get out of town. You have to try a show out of town. You have to 
get a response, an audience response, so you can work on a show. And I think a workshop situation, you can just stay in a room and fantasize and do a lot of things, but you never know what it's going to be. And it, I don't know. I can't. I mean, chorus line was different, I guess, but I don't know if I agree with that. No, but there's something. Yes, because. First, I had the right idea about workshop is. What workshop was was developing. Uh, what first I was developing with it in almost a limited time, right. a piece together right. instead of somebody coming with the right. score and the, and the book and giving it to you, so that you involved it, the actors involved it, right. and developing so right. that you were actually working and that you were not performing. What happened is that when the workshop, when that worked, Sorry. everybody. Okay. Oh, that's great. Now the producers, hello, said, wonderful. I just put $200,000, give them a little room, let the kids have fun at the end of six weeks. We'll I will show it. I get the money, I get the backers to invest in this great thing. So what happened, the direction of developing the piece was transformed into a cheaper way of backing auditions. That's right. Back and audition. you have never worked. That's because right. then the artists are not doing the work. That's right. You're not developing. You're not playing with the material. You're not trying to material. Look at Kicks. Kicks That's is right. into like their fifth workshop. Would you That's say right. workshops work? That's, That's ridiculous. ridiculous. And then they turn around, the people that created it, then they go, you're not good enough. We're going to audition for this role. Well, now they're too old. I mean, they're <laughs> Here you are, you're working on people creating. <laughs> Do you guys see just about everything? Do you? I got to my I like to I I try to, yeah. I mean, I don't always see it the first month. I mean, I haven't seen uh -huh. it in my gal yet, for instance. But, uh, no, I, I, I try to. And not just Broadway. I, I find I like to go to Rocky And not just the musical theater, too. I try to go along. Who's your fave besides anyone of us here? <laughs> uh, as a choreographer? Uh -huh. Robinson. Yeah. Uh, probably. Who's somebody who have not worked with? Robin. <laughs> I would like to work with you. I would like to work with you. If he allowed me to watch him work, I would do anything. Oh, I think. Anything. Yeah. What do you think about young choreographers and directors coming up? How, how can we start making uh, you know, a playground for them? How can we encourage them to grow? Oh, and why wouldn't you write better now to Jerome Robbins and say, I want to observe you for six weeks. What are you doing now? Like he would say, then, who are you? <laughs> that means you're like, well, you're so involved with the ballet, he doesn't really work with the ballet. Well, it's, it's, uh, I, I would not fit into that. I don't feel like placing the ballet. But if you could just be a fly there, if you're familiar to just be, you know, sitting 10 rows behind you. But I don't think that people like that. Uh -huh. Do you like young people do that with you? Oh, I like, I did, they were married. Because I think that you know, it's part of the, the process. Because they can, there's a lot of letters written about a system.
but it's very hard to explain that you just don't hire an assistant. You create one, you just better one. And it's, uh, that's the main, so what I do is I try to invite them to see the person, to want to see how the process is. Like an internship. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, that's not what I do. Yeah, I don't mind. You don't like anybody there? I don't mind. I just haven't done that. I've gotten a couple of letters about being an assistant. Assistants are very important. They're really personal and very important. So, I mean, you know, the offer is there, but I could, you know, just say I'm sorry. Any other questions? I got one. You mentioned if you could give an example, a specific example of something that when you were involved from the beginning of the pre-production process, a contribution, whether it's a cast person or even a level of the stage or a design element that was introduced, or something that your contribution, which is obviously the inflection, it should be that. I told about everything from beginning to end. I mean, I, I decided to, about the step of the I decided to have the I mean, I, everything. You have to have an opinion. You should have an opinion on everything. That doesn't mean it's not involved. But, you know, I said what the, the costumes should be made out of was they need to, how big the basket could be, how small, I mean, all those things. You know, it's just a general, uh, and then be, even before, I'm, I'm talking already about the production. Now, even before, when I first got the script, when Luther and I first got the script of Rupert, it was a very intimate musical. It was about eight or nine characters. And, and Luther was the first one to say, it has to be, if you want our musical, you have to make it, you have to open it up. And I said, let's bring on the merry villagers. I mean, I couldn't make you know, the big scenes. You've got to bring them on. We have to create this scene to be something like that that is going to involve more people. We need an opening number. We used to have a hymn. I mean, they used to sing a hymn to London at the beginning. Everybody in the Delacorte went, what? <laughs> what is this? So we have to create like, a couple of different opening numbers. And you have to, I had to help her with that. What kind of a beat it should be? It should be something light or what you? You know, it's everybody talks, everybody has you know, good collaboration in this sense. So I cannot say, if it is good collaboration, you cannot say, I did this and he did that and I did that. Because there's so much talk about You can have something and somebody picks it up and it changes and what, and it, but that's true collaboration. So it's, uh, it's very it's difficult best when to even point. Not just before the last draft, but after the first draft, Absolutely. to get all Just as an aside, there's a lot, a lot of musicals come out of it. the Iman Musical Theater Workshop, Musical Theater Works has one, and there's a whole lot of young composers and lyricists there that have young choreographers to talk to, and those directors that they do are also young and upcoming. In other words, there are no geniuses or guiding lights or... Um, working with the upcoming writers of musicals so that you get a draft of a musical that doesn't sing because the writer may be able to write songs and the book writer may fashion a true line but how to make it have size or whatever. So my only uh, thought is to somehow integrate or get people together even at those levels. That's the producer's Why they work compartmentalized often, but that's a producer's responsibility. 
let's go quickly over Clarence Horizons for China, because one of the reasons I enjoy working there, there is um, a bringing together of all the elements early on in the writing, the writing stage and we're able to contribute our ideas and have these um, co-created and yeah, really where those ideas came from and why. We all have responsibilities, but we all are jumping in and working together. That's because they're producing them there. There's, there's a point of view behind that It's not an accident. It's a for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from the Stage Directors and Choreographers Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.